because I know what I feel in the atmosphere, but I also know what God has given me to say. And so I have to address one thing before I can get to the other. And so I, I, I know part of the heaviness comes right now. Uh, it's easily defined grief. Grief being something that's lost. Don't always associate grief with, with death. But maybe just something that's lost. Maybe something's missing. And, and so on today where some may jump and they may celebrate today being Father's Day. Uh, and you know you, when, when you talk about church workers and you talk about major holidays and days that you got to make sure that you have enough people in the house. They always talk about you know you got the EMC saints. You got Easter. You got Mother's Day and you got Christmas. But isn't it crazy how the Bible speaks about the Heavenly Father even more than he speaks about Mary? Mary being a vessel in which Jesus might come. But if the Father, if the Holy Spirit hadn't came and planted the seed, then therefore it will be no point of Mary. So on today, I understand that there may be grief because some fathers didn't even understand what their assignment was. Here's the reality. Some fathers didn't even realize what their assignment was. And so now we're sitting in this place of bitterness. We're sitting in this place of fear. We're sitting in this place of confrontation from people that didn't even know their assignment. They only heard the scripture be fruitful and multiply, so they planted a seed. But they didn't understand what it took to tend to the seed, to water the seed, to grow the seed, to pray over it, and make sure that a harvest came from it. So on today, that my, my prayer, first of all, is for the grief. It's for the loss. The loss of fathers that weren't there. The loss of fathers that were there but still didn't even know what to do. The anger because you picked the wrong father for your children. The anger because God snatched the father away. Grief. But also I know God is a good, good father. That song, it's hard for some because they don't have the submitted relationship to the Father. And so when they sing it, the only thing they can connect it to is their earthly father. But the Bible speaks about not only when your father forsakes you, but he also speaks about your mother. So the Bible tells us that our mother and father will forsake us. There will be a moment when we'll look for them and they won't be there. But not our God, not our everlasting Father. He's always with us. So as you pick up your Bible, your tablet, your phone, if you're logging on your computer, I want you to go to 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Verses 11 and 12. We thank God for Pastor Keith. In his absence, he's enjoying Father's Day. 
We thank God for Lady Minister Serena Babb as she's kind of taking a day off. They never really take a day off if you've met their kids. They are going to make sure you parent them. But that's what they're doing on today. So we celebrate them and in their absence. Because guess what? He's still the father of this house. And I submit to his, his will and his vision even on today. And I may be a couple of days older than him, but he fathers me in a way. So I honor him on today. I, of course, honor the gift in my wife, Minister Chantel, as she prays for me constantly. I thank God for them. Hopefully you're in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, and I'm going to be with you real quick. See, Pastor Keith, he swims in the deep. Swims in the deep, and I love it. I love it. It, makes, it challenges me. It challenges me. But on today, we're going to go ahead and walk in the shallow because it's easier to catch stuff in the shallow end. So even if you cast your net, you're going to catch something. I remember I went deep sea fishing. My wife, came, I came back with my little thing. I caught my wife said, that's it? I said, I caught something. So on today, I'm, I'm going to help you catch something. Something. Because on a day like Father's Day, you need to catch something. Even if you can't catch that father that lives down the street from you. Miss Alvera, you know what I'm talking about, right? Oh, you got a relationship with your daddy? No, I don't. Oh, man, where your daddy at? He died? No, he live over there. He right there. I pass him up every day. But on today, I want you to catch somebody say something. You should already be there. First Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. Can you read along with me? I'm in the NIV version, and it says it like this. For you know. This is something that you're, you're right here. They're telling you this is something that you should know. But modern times have messed us up. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a, what does it say? Say it again, as a deals with his own children. And then he's going to tell you what you should already know. And that father should be doing. First, they should be doing what? Encouraging. Second, they should be doing what? And third, they should be doing what? Not just urging, but urging you to live lives worthy of God. And, that, and then this is what God's going to do. He's going to call you into his kingdom and his glory. So we got a situation right here where, 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 where Paul is talking to the people, the Thessalonians. Look, I messed that up. They Thessalonians. But the place is called Thessalonica. And he's telling them and he's making a comparison of something that they should see every single day. But now we're at a parallel because we don't see this every day. You can have your seats. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. Even right now as this word is going forth, God, we're in somewhere shallow so they can catch what you have for them on today. Don't let grief get in the way. You speak. You speak. You, you touch the hard places that they say were healed. Open up that wound so healing can truly take place. Open it up. Open it up. We thank you, God, that you might be able to speak a word on today. Your word is always true. And we honor you for everything that you might say on today. Amen. And those that are tuning in, don't go get a snack because you're going to miss it.
All right. I'm not going to be before you long. I know a lot of preachers say that. I'm not going to close three times because I only got three points, so I'll be done already. But first of all, I've already gave you all of my three points, but I'm going to go over it one more time. It said fathers should do what? Encourage. Fathers should do what? Comfort. And fathers should do what? Urge. So you already got the three things that I'm saying. ECU, that's some people need letters to put things together. It sounds like it's an emergency. But ECU, encourage, comfort, and urge. Encourage, comfort, and urge. So Paul has us in this place. Let me give you a little context to the content so that we can roll and y'all can know where we at. So he's in this place. I told you, don't make me say it again. That's a little Nika? That sound about right? I don't, it's like another language. Is it transferred in the Hebrew the same way? But we're here and he's in this place. So he's just talking to an area of town. That's where he is. So if, if he, Paul was here right now, he'd be like the Tampanians. Yeah, uh, yeah, that would be the book of Tampanians. Yeah, the book of Tampa or, or maybe Miss Smith, the, the, the book of Brooksvilleites. I, I don't know. Brooksvilleites, Sepnerites, that's where I live at. I, I don't have none for Riverview. Y'all just river people. I don't know what book of the Bible that would be. But Paul is talking to the people of the area and people are like, oh, who's Paul? I got to give you this little Bible lesson. Paul is what we would call modern day church planner. So don't get confused. Paul wasn't this pastor that would stay here and constantly shepherd the people and shepherd the people and shepherd the people and he wouldn't leave. Paul was the person that said, hey, I need to make sure that the gospel gets everywhere. And therefore, I have to go to place, to place, to place and, and appoint people so that they may pastor or shepherd the people. And so that's where he was right here. And then he starts to say, well, make me, I have to say this in a way that they can understand. And I had to set some things in order. If you didn't know, we're in a summer series, set your house in order. I'm still there. I'm just, you know, I'm 2.5 like Pastor Keith. He already went chapter one. I'm 2.5. So I'm here today that, yes, it's Father's Day, but guess what? We're still setting the house in order. And so hopefully the scripture will answer both questions, how to set the house in order and what is the father's assignment. And so right now we're, Paul is talking to new Christian converts and he's just not talking to men. So I can't, won't, won't pretend like I'm only talking to men on this morning, but I'm so glad that men are in the house. Can y'all give God a praise? See, in the Bible days, that would be weird to give God praise because men were here because in the Bible day, the men filled up the house of God. It wasn't uncommon to see a house full of men and therefore they would also bring their women. But in the time of the Bible, they would actually silence the women so that the men might learn. Now you say it today, silence me. Yeah, God created something different. I guess it was still in their DNA, but it comes out in the Bible. But on today... He is making a reference where he talks to these new Christian converts that are following God and says this. I'm going to deal with you in the way that a father deals with his child. And so why would he make a comparison to something that they wouldn't understand? And so what does that tell me? It tells me that fathers did those things all the time. They encouraged they comfort and they urge their children to live a life. And so Paul says, I'm going to do the same thing to you as fathers would do. And how does that happen? Well, first you have to set it back in order. So since that was already in order and he was setting the place, now I have to set the scene for the modern day today, 2021. What is it going on that men are not in their place? 
what do we have to do to set them back in order? Well, it's real easy. You got to go back to the beginning. And so we go like this. Uh, Ephesians 5 and 21 says like this, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. You know, most men that try to preach the Bible but don't know the Bible, they don't want to, they, they, they want to skip that first verse. They, they really do. They want to skip the first verse where it says, submit to one another. One another, not just to me, but to one and other, meaning that we're equally yoked. That's what the Bible is talking about, that we're submitting to one another, that we're in the same place in Christ. It says, out of reverence for Christ, verse 22. We like to jump right there. Go ahead and start it. Wives, submit yourselves to your husband. And they stop. But it doesn't say to your husband. It says to your own husband. So therefore, my wife shouldn't be more submitted to Pastor Keith. That means that Lady Serena shouldn't be more submitted to me. Miss Alvear should not be submitted to me. Their own husband, as you do the Lord. Verse 23, it says like this. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. His body, and of which he is Savior. And so what does that say to me? If you're going to be a man and you're going to be submitted to, to, to Christ and you're going to be the head of your family, which is like the head of the church, you have to have a submitted life. Yeah. And so, yeah, you're like, what does this have to do with encouragement? Well, I got to set up the foundation. I got to take this whole little detour. See, the reality is so many people come to me, whether they're married or unmarried, and wonder why they're having problems in their relationship or why they can't find this or why there's no good anything out here. Well, the question always come back to first, are you submitted? So this message isn't only for married people. This message for is, are you submitted? Are you a submitted woman of God? Are you a submitted man of God? Are you a submitted child of God? Cody, you submitted? He always listening. So the question is, are you submitted? And here, here's the reality. Stop trying to take godly principles and apply them to worldly things. So if, if, if you are submitted, meaning that you are first submitted to God, and then you come to your, your wife, your wife, not, not the person that you live with, not the person that you stay with, not the person that you've been with for 17 years, but because you're going to godly principles, you said, I need to marry them. I need to make it public. I need to make a confession so that other people know this is my wife. Because that's the first part of submission. I'm submitted to God, so therefore I want to bring in and make her my wife. And so the expectation is first that she sees me submitted to God, and next she can submit to me because she's really not submitting to me. She's submitting to the God in me. See, and that's where God's missing. Oh, she don't want to submit. Well, she's not supposed to submit to you. She's supposed to submit to the God in you. And you're like, what does this have to do? We're setting the house in order. We're setting it in order. I promise you, I'm, I'm going to get it right. We're going to get to point one, but just not yet. And so how can you say this is right? Well, 1 Corinthians 3 and 11, it says like this, For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid. And guess what that foundation is? Which is Christ, Jesus Christ. So now you're trying to take God's principle and place it on your foundation. But there was already a foundation laid and now you're trying to change up the game. So don't keep trying to take someone and call them your wife by name, but don't want to go through all the work of submission. And first, it has to be laid in Jesus Christ. So maybe on today, I've already said a lot of stuff. Uh, uh, Steve, stand up and block the door so they don't sneak out. 
Thank you, Steve. Appreciate it. He's a big guy. I'm going to make you work for getting out on today. But, uh, you know, what it comes down to is, yeah, your feelings may be hurting. Maybe you don't want to hear me. But if you stay with me for a little while, maybe you'll get a reason why you want to be submitted to a God like this. The reason why so many people find it hard on today to sing you're a good, good father is because they're not submitted. The reason why so many people can't get their house set in order because they're not submitted and they can't realize that he's a good, good father. But guess what? On today, the position is to stand for the man. I'm going to speak to you directly, but I promise you, women, I hope you're getting something out of this. I'm going to give you a fatherhood assignment on today. And maybe even for the ones that are not men, and this is for anyone. You can see some faults in your life that says my father didn't complete his assignment. Maybe I shouldn't be mad at him because he didn't even know his assignment. And the question comes back to it. I just want to see if you're paying attention again. That assignment was to encourage. The assignment was to do what? What was the second one? Comfort. Come on, wake up. And the third assignment was to urge a life worthy, not just to push him but a life worthy of God. And if you read your Bible, and I promise you, you should, it talks about a mother and always caring for the children, but it really doesn't talk about that, that, that nurturing side of a father. And guess what? The Bible speaks about it. And those three things that I'm talking about are a nurturing side. It, sometimes it may not come naturally, but even if it doesn't come naturally, it's something that you should do. So on today, the father's assignment that Paul made a comparison was to encourage. Encourage simply says like this, to inspire courage, uh, uh, the, the, the spirit or confidence, to stimulate by assistance, approval, uh, to promote, advance, or foster. Uh, you know, to, on today, uh, I find myself um, not looking for more father figures, even though those are good, regardless of if my biological father, I'm looking for someone to complete those assignments. But I find myself as I get a couple of days older and I'm still young, I promise you, uh, that I find myself in a position that I want to father more. That I look at people's lives and I see places where they need to be encouraged. I look at people's lives, I see places where they need comfort, and I also look at people's uh, lives and I see places where they need to be urged to live a life that's worthy of the calling. And I'll and I, and I mess with Sam. Look, Sam, like, oh man, I thought my name wouldn't get called today. No, it was. And so I, I take on Sam, and, and Sam allows me to, at least a little bit, to, to take on and bother him. And so there's times after service, Brandon and Sam, come on up, come on up. Let's see. I'm, this, this is how I encourage them. Y'all miss all this. Y'all slow. Come on, we live. What's going on? Come on up. We got people in here it's getting hot, air kicking on. Come on. Go, go, to, go to what you do. Go to what you do. And so uh, we, we sometimes, and I see them, and they're, they're, they're like kids in the candy store when they, when they come and they get on their gift. And, and, and I like to encourage them in, in a manner in which they might grow. And so th this is what encouragement looks like for them. Because do you know if you know your kid, you got to know how to encourage them? And so that's why when the Heavenly Father sees you, he knows what to put in front of you. And then the devil imitates it and tries to put something similar in front of you so that you can think it's the father. But see, you got to know the difference. You have to have that laid foundation first and be submitted to Christ so you can know the difference. So in this manner, Sam, Brandon, you know, we play around at the church. Do, do we do that sometimes? Well, they really be playing. I'll be cleaning up and then I, I get them. But 
but but we're there at the church and and you know they you know we we not a hooping church how, how many people know that that's all right thank god that you're still here praise the lord miss larry is that you happy father's day i've been looking for hey how y'all doing and so on today sam warm me up man what we doing over here son <laughs> my goodness this this is the only son i'll have that will be shorter than me <laughs> but i praise the lord for my, no he's cody's almost at the height of both of us See, Brandon, where did Brandon already hit? Brandon, warm, warm it up and make sure Sam gets there. And so it's simply like this. For them, I would take something simple like the, the definition of encourage. I would take something like this. And you look, I wish I was all the way Baptist. My grandma was. And so I ain't really got a, I ain't got a hum. But I, I fake it. I would, oh, you know how I preach. You know how the black people preach. No, but if, if, if it went like this, if I was to define... See, that he was ready. This is how it encourages him. The word encourage. I would have to take it down. That's what her mama likes. She real Baptist. A, a way to save. So y'all not with me. Y'all want to leave. You might want to get up. I might want to find a way to bring you something. I, the way you do it is... You have to inspire, and not only inspire, you have to have courage, and with the spirit, you find confidence. See, I can't have a note, so I didn't really have confidence in that, but they, see, they're getting excited over there. But then I didn't forget you have to stimulate. I said you have to stimulate. Some grown people know what that means. Something you have to stimulate by assistance. I said, play, Sam. Thank you. That's, I'm stimulating him. And I said, Sam, that's good. I have to give approval <laughs> and to promote. Brandon, play them drums. Uh, and here we go. It advances them to do something different. And look, now they're sitting and they're waiting. That's what encouragement does. It puts you in a place that you're waiting for your next assignment. When you get encouraged and your father might not have done that, you're looking for the next thing in your life to do. That's what encouragement does. It pushes you. It puts you in this place that you have confidence. That was good. I appreciate it. Y'all really can't sit down, but I'm going to be done in like five more minutes. No, really. I, I'll call. No, really. Yes. But encouragements leads them into this place where they're waiting for the next. And that's what God wants from you. And that's what the assignment of the father is. So sometimes you look at people and say, man, how are they so successful? It's because they at least got one of their assignments. They got encouragement. They got encouragement. Is that all right? And so it, it, it says it like this. It says it like this. We got one. What was the first one to uh, encourage? It took encouragement for that to happen. Uh, and, but in order for that to happen, one, you got to be submitted to who Christ is and his foundation and his plan. And not only that, 
Scripture tells us like this in Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, and it said, let us consider how we may spur spirit one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up the meeting as some are in habits of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day is approaching. So we know Jesus is coming. And you know what this is? This is the come back to church scripture. Because the reality is there's been a lot of calls in the midst of the pandemic. And I thank God for Zoom and I thank God for Google Meet, but it's something about being in the house of the Lord. It's something about seeing the saints face and that they're looking at you face to face and encouraging you. So why do we want you to come back? Because you'll be encouraged. The Bible also says in Romans 15 and 2, we should help others do what is right and build them up in the Lord. Come on. Yeah, it seems shallow, but I just want you to capture it. It's help somebody. Turn to somebody and say help. help. So that, it's that you can't get that online. Help. Sometimes you have to help. You know how many times I call Andre? I said, Andre, I need your help. And Andre came out and he helped me lift something up and put it in there. But Andre wasn't a fool. Andre had something he needed some help with. And so what did Andre do? Hey, Pastor Cole, I don't know if you're busy on today, but I'll wait. Whenever time you get ready, I'll be off of work at two o'clock. So just whenever you're ready, I'll be right here. I don't know. Are you working right now? Are you working? I need some. Romans 15 and two says it like that. First Thessalonians, here we go again. Chapter five and 11, it says, therefore, encourage one another and build up each other just as in fact you are doing. So if you are encouraging Somebody say, don't stop. Don't stop stop encouraging. It is good to encourage, but guess what? Don't stop. And and, and see, what it happens, it becomes the fact of what you're doing. Oh, yeah, he's always encouraging. It becomes part of who you are. And so, you know, I I look at it on Friday night. We had supplications with the shepherds, and and we had so many people come out on that night. And I appreciate Minister Dominique and Mr. Rick. And we had Andre, Mr. Walker, if you want to do that. And we had Steve. Steve still guarding the door over there. He ain't letting you out. You're going to get this word today. And so I appreciate them. They came out for prayer night. And I promise you, This is not just so y'all can hear it. There was not one moment I was worried or concerned about anything about the building being secure. I wasn't worried or concerned that we had women and children coming in on Friday night in this dark outside and that they would have to come in and leave out of the service. And so, therefore, I encourage them to do it again. Look, I didn't have to organize. I didn't just say, anything else you want? There's nothing else I want. You just keep on encouraging each other. And then what happens in the midst of that is fellowship, that they start to encourage each other. And so we thank God for that. And if, if you know, if, if any of the wives, which they weren't here on that night, y'all encourage them, you know, give them some treats when they get home, you know, whatever that is. And so, therefore, we thank God for encouraging them to come out on that day. Sometimes you just need to celebrate the small things. Somebody say celebrate the small things. So you can't expect somebody to do something big until you can celebrate the small things. And so following this father's assignment, that's where we're still at. Paul is talking about a comparison of what fathers should be doing. And he said that they should be encouraging them, but not only encouraging them, they should be comforting them. And here's the reality. Most, most of us, where we received our comfort was not from our father. 
We received it from our mothers, our grandmothers, some other people that may have known. But in the, in, in the time of the, when the word was written, encouragement and comfort came from the father. Not saying the mother couldn't do it, but this was also a father's assignment. And so therefore, one, we get it from our heavenly father, but the expectation was that we would get it from our earthly father too. And it simply says like this, comfort. What is comfort? Comfort is to to soothe, to console, to reassure, to bring cheer to to your kids. It also relief and affliction. And that's a real deep one right there. But, you know, what happens is that we, we, we get into society of the Bible and then we get into this place where we are right now. Why is it that fathers are not bringing comfort? But instead, they're bringing the affliction. But when a man is submitted to God, you know, it, it's something different. My wife always says this. She always says this. It's something different about when a man prays. It's something different. Maybe you miss it and, and you know, and I know it comes from a place where she's healed. But it's something different about when a man prays and I believe what she's hearing is comfort. See, when a man prays, his prayer should soothe. When a man prays, his prayer should console. When a man prays, you should be reassured. When a man prays, you should bring cheer. When a man prays, he should bring relief in a time of affliction. That's what happens when a father or a man knows his assignment. It's comfort. It's comfort that you can receive from your prayers. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Verse 3 and 4 says like this, praise be to God, look at this, not the mother, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of compassion and the God of all comfort. Verse 4 says it like this, who comforts us once again in all of our troubles so that we may so that we can comfort, once again, those in trouble. So he tells us, once again, he comforts us so that we may comfort those in trouble with the comfort we ourselves received from God. He's saying, so I gave it to you so you can give it to someone else. Y'all know it. You, I teach it to my son all the time. The Lord is my shepherd. 23rd Psalm. I shall not want. He maketh me to do what? Y'all got at least that much. He maketh me beside the still waters. He leading me. I'm sorry. My, my thing popped up. He leading me beside the still waters. Miss Alvarez, you got me. Thank you. I appreciate it. Beside the still waters. Verse 3. He restores my soul. He leadeth me on the path of righteousness for his name's sake. But here's, here, here's where I push it. This is where comfort comes. Verse 4. Yay. So I'm going to do it. I'm in this place. Though I walk in the valley of the shadow of death, a real place, I will fear no evil. That's what she was talking about this morning. There's fear. For thou art with me. And here, here what it is. He don't even force you to just be like that. He gives you something to take with you. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. So what are you saying? What is the rod and the staff represent? The rod and the staff represents a shepherd's hook. 
And so that shepherd hook can be for uh, discipline and correction. But if you've ever seen a shepherd hook, and, and you know, real shepherd, you know, we don't do sheep. You know, if you want lamb, you just go to Sam's Club and you buy it. But the shepherd's hook, it's very tall and it's long and it has a big hook around it. And it was big enough to be able to grab the sheep because the sheep are not considered a very smart animal. They will lead and go wherever they need to go if they're not trained. And so what happens is in this scripture, he makes reference to the rod and thy staff. And so what he's saying is that when I discipline you and I bring you back to me, that's comfort. And so sometimes we look at discipline as a bad word, but discipline is nothing but to disciple, which means to teach. So when I teach you a lesson and I bring you back to me, you should have comfort. And so when you don't even see me and you're in a place of fear, remember the lesson that I taught you and now you're comforted. Yeah. And so when you're looking at the lessons and the hard lessons that life teaches us, even with our own biological father, God is saying, if you're living a submitted life, the lessons that I teach you should bring you comfort. And therefore, remember my lesson. Remember my rod. Remember my staff that brings you back into a place of comfort. Even the hard lessons, believe me, you know, and this ain't, when, when I say I discipline my son, I take out time and I think about the shepherd. How many times does God talk about, oh, he brings the one sheep back. So he got to leave all of these sheep for one little, as my son won't say his headphone, the dumb sheep, the stupid one that went off. But so I'm going to leave, I'll risk it all to bring this one back because it's worth the lesson. And that's what God is doing for us. And not only he's doing this for us and showing his comfort, he gave us another gift. It's called the Holy Spirit. And when we're praying, the Spirit should give us discernment between when it's God and when it's not. And, you know, we, we, you know it matters what, what church you're from. They call it the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. But the Bible also refers to it as the comforter in John 14 and 26. That's what he calls him. And he's, he's the comforter. And so what happens is that we learn from the comforter. And so it says it like this in Romans 8, uh, 26 and 28. In the same way, the Spirit helps us, helps our weakness. For we do not know how to pray. As we are. Once again, I'll say it again. You ever say, I don't even know what to pray. Good thing you have the spirit. Good thing you have the spirit. I don't know what to pray. It's been many a days I don't know what to pray. But I thank God for the spirit. But the spirit himself makes intercession for us. And how does he do it? With groanings which can't even be uttered. He who searches the heart knows what it is. What is on the spirit's mind. Because he makes intercession for the saints according to God. Verse 28 says it like this. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love who? Love the Lord for those who are called according to his purpose. Going back down to really what is this foundation? None of this will work if you're not submitted to God. So first we have encouragement. Next we have comfort. And I promise you I'm done. And when I say I'm done, I'm really done. We got number three, which is to urge. And it's simply like this. Uh, urging is something that we, we like to say, but we don't like done to us. We like to do it to other people, but we don't want it done to us. Why are you rushing me? To urge is to push 
or to force along, to impel with force or vigor. You know, hey, we, we get up in line. You ever been a little kid and you seen little kids in line? And they're like, don't push me. But they're because they're urging them to go along. And sometimes they get caught up. And so somebody has to give them a push so they can see what's in front of them. And sometimes there are urgent matters that have to come. You know, sometimes when I think of urge, I think of a tone of voice. And so, you know, I, 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 I may be calling, come on, Cody, come on, Cody, come on, Cody. And then Chantel be like, Cody! And I'll be like, oh, Lord, everybody need to go sit down. I don't know what needs to happen. It, it is something that says it needs to happen right away. It is a charge to listen. This part is important. It is a charge to listen. This part is important. And so that's another assignment that your father probably should have gave you. And so I can look and I can see, oh man, yeah, my father encouraged me and my father comforted me. But when I look at it, I don't think I got to the place where my father pushed me. And so all of these things are necessary. First Peter 2 and 17 says it's like this. All honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. And y'all like, what does that have to do with anything? Look. When he pushes us, he pushes us to a place that maybe we're uncomfortable in. Maybe we're uncomfortable in honoring all people because they hurt us. Maybe we're uncomfortable with honoring all the people of the church because they talked about us. Maybe we're uncomfortable, even me, honoring the king, which means the government, because sometimes they just say stuff that don't make any sense. But he encourages us. He pushes us to do it anyway. And this is another way he pushes Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these things will be added. But first, I got to push you to live this life. You got to seek keep the kingdom of heaven. So it doesn't just happen. You got to happen to push them to live this life that's worthy of God. Did your father teach you that? Is that one of the lessons that you received? Maybe that's something you need to go back and review. First John 4, 18 says it like that. There is no fear in love. Once again, my wife and my sermon stopped looking at my stuff. But, but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. But one who fears is not made perfect in love. Just on this past week, I was teaching a lesson and I was talking about some of the, 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 the seven parts of love and punishment was not one. Not one. And so therefore, it's, if you see punishment, it wasn't in perfect love. What is going on with you today that you're still worried about punishment? Is that really someone taught you and urged you to live a life worthy of God so that you might be called into his kingdom? And I'll say it like this. This is our final thing. And, and Sam and Brandon, you can come. Romans 12, 1 and 2, it says it like this. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, yeah. to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Some versions say reasonable service. And then it goes on, don't leave this part out. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transferred, transformed by the renewing of your mind. That by testing you may discern 
what is the will of God, what is good and what is acceptable and perfect. See, when you receive this push and you receive this urge and you receive this call and you receive this comfort and you receive, you received all these things, the scripture says you're going to be tested on it. You're going to be tested to, to discern what is the will of God, what is good, what is acceptable, what is perfect. And so on today. It, this, this, is, this is my final plea, my final, my final push, my final charge is, one, if you're a father, if you're a man, since you're on this earth, complete your assignment. God doesn't have you here by accident. Complete your assignment. Your assignment is to encourage. Your assignment is to uh, comfort. Your assignment is to urge others to live a life worthy of God. So that when you do that, God can call you to his kingdom of glory. Here's one of the things I, I, I learned as a, as a very young man and having a stepfather. And, um, you know, he wasn't my biological father, but I can't say he treated me bad. But I also can't say he was perfect. Um, but one of the lessons that I, I took from my Sunday school teacher, and y'all need to, if, you, if your Sunday school teacher is still alive, go cash at them. Give them something. If they taught you any scripture, whatever it is. And I remember uh, Mother Bronner. Uh, she had she had taught us in the little little itty bitty Sunday school cards to honor your mother and your father. First commandment with, with, with a clause in it. It said, then your days will be long. Maybe in so many of our young men are not here because they never got that lesson of how to honor. Isn't it crazy how the clause didn't come with if they're good to you? The clause didn't come as if they treat you right. The clause didn't come as if they gave you everything. The clause didn't come and said if they were an absent father. It just says the honor. And so anytime I go back to Chicago and I, I see my stepfather and right now he's actually not an old man, but he's in a nursing home. And, and I go and I honor him. Not because he did everything right but because it's a commandment. And so therefore, I believe I'm receiving rewards from the honor. One is longevity of my life. Because I know that I'm not done with my assignment with my own son. I know that I'm not done with my assignment with the ones that I may call son. I still need to do some more encouraging I still need to do some more comforting. I still need to keep pushing them to live a life worthy of God. So as Minister Dominique comes up here, I'm, I'm going to ask to embarrass the man, which it shouldn't be something that's embarrassing. But if you can come up, Minister Dominique's going to pray because when men pray, something different happens. And each one of you, you there, there doesn't need to be anything special. But, but go, go, come on up, come on up. Yeah, everybody, 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 everybody. We thank God for you on today. 
Miss Larry, you gonna come on up? You need some help? You got it. Come on up, come on up. Just, I just wanna pray for you. We're not gonna do nothing different or special. Let us go to God in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for each one of these men's lives. The ones standing before me and the ones that are not present. Lord, they could have been doing anything else on this Father's Day, but they chose to be here in the house of God. And for that, I say thank you, God. Lord, I pray that you pour wisdom unto each one of their lives. Your word says that we should ask for wisdom and that you would give it to us without reproach. So Lord, although they may be knowledgeable in multiple aspects of their life, I pray that they ask for wisdom because knowledge tells you how to do something, but wisdom tells you when to do it. God, give them a new level of discernment over their lives, God, so that they can understand the time and the season that they, be, that they may now be in or that is soon to come, God. God, I pray that you keep them responsive, not only to your truth, but your word, so that they don't wander off in life lost, confused, angry, motionless, stagnant, fearful, defeated, or a loss of hope. God, keep them responsive to your truth in your word, God. And God, for every man that's standing before me, I come against the spirit of thinking that because they don't hold a title in church that they're not called to be leaders. And quite frankly, Lord, it of leadership can't be completed until a true examination of leadership at home is completed. God, show them how to lead their wives. Show them how to lead their kid and their kids. Lord, show them how to lead their own lives. Lord, govern their footsteps and make them sure. God, calls them and tell them and show them what you've destined them to be. Show them their value in your eyes. Show them your purpose in your eyes don't continue to have to go to social media to go to, go to other outlets to try to find who they are. Lord, if they're facing identity crisis, God, bring them back to you, God. Have them steadfast in you, God. Let them know that they can't find who they truly are outside of you, God. God, just as you gave Adam in the beginning of time responsibility way before you gave him the wife, let them know that they've been given a responsibility. They've been given, they've been given a responsibility to manage, to supervise, to subdue all of what you've created, God. They've been called to be a part of the management team. And if anybody who has rented, who stayed on rental property, know that there's a management team and their whole job is to take care of the property of all to take care of the property of God's property. God, keep us, God. Hold us, God. Keep us. Protect us from seeing it. 
And God, before they pick up a mic, I pray that they pick up a broom. I pray that they bring true service to Before the piano and the drums, I pray that they fine-tune their hearts, their spirit, their lives, God, that they fine-tune their ears so they can hear clearly what it is you want them to do, God. And it's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, man, for all those that did come up. And, and, and most importantly, and this is one thing that is, is not uh, gender associated, is that none of these plans will work if you don't know the foundation, which is Jesus Christ. And so if that's you and you're here on today and you're like, hey, I, I, I want to get in line, but there's some things I have to submit first. And one, I got to submit to the Savior. And the only way that can happen is that I admit that I need one. I, I know I can't do it on my own. I need a savior. And next, I, I, I have to confess with my mouth that I, I, I need a, a savior. And that is Jesus Christ. He's the one and the only. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And the Bible says no one can come to the Father but through him. And last... After I admit, I believe and I confess, I, I got to believe it with my heart. I truly do. I got to believe it, that he's Lord. So if that's anybody on today, regardless of if you're in your seat, if you're online, whatever it is, God, as we're praying, just, this is a private moment, God. As, as our eyes are still closed and our heads are bowed, it starts in our heart. So if you want Jesus to be your savior, you can go ahead and put that in the comment section and you can email us and we want to get in contact with you. But if you're in the building, if you just slip up your hand, we just want to pray with you. If you've never confessed the Lord as your savior and you want to submit to his will on today, all you have to do is raise your hand and we'll come to you. We thank God for you. And the next plea is something simple as this. Maybe you don't have a church home. Maybe you don't have a place that can cast the net in the shallow and the deep end. Someone that can teach you the way to go. How to submit to God. What does that look like? Somebody that you can trust even when you're grieving. When there's loss in your life. Well guess what? The way church may be that church for you. And though Pastor Keith is not here, I'll accept you on today. And we can squeeze you right in with everyone else. If that's you online or if that's you in the building, we're looking for you on today. Do you need a church home? I promise you we'll come and get you. Just raise your hand because we want to accept you on today and give you some more information. Well, if there's nothing else, I'll leave you with this. Don't forget on today, it may be a father's assignment. But really, he was talking to the whole church. Our assignment is to encourage, is to comfort, and is to urge others to live a life worthy of God.